Sacred Space. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley, still joined on Skype by Shane and on telephone by Sister Mara Grace, who is a member of the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia, based in Dominic Street, in, 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 in Clentwood Street in Limerick. Welcome again to the programme. Thanks again for, for joining us, Sister Mara Grace. I know you're very, very busy. <laughs> you, it's a delight to be with you. You've been here for how long now? Is it August 2016, is it? That's right, a little over a year now. How did you we've, end up... We've loved every moment of it. <laughs> we've loved having you here from what we've heard about you. How did you end up over here, uh, um, sisters from Nashville? Yeah, we... So our mother house is in Nashville, Tennessee, as you had mentioned. And um, in 2015, the Bishop of Limerick wrote to our Pirate General um, and said that the Dominican friars who had been here since 1227, had made the decision to, to leave Limerick, and he was wondering if some, she could, Mother could send some sisters to keep the Dominican presence here in Limerick. Um, so when Mother you know, heard, you know, the, the friars have been here for almost 800 years, how could we say no to that? You know, so um, she sent four of us to come establish a mission here in Limerick in August 2016. 2016. So since then you've been kept busy. Yes, that's right. Yeah, we've, we've the the seed is ripe for sowing here, and um, the people have been so lovely and just hungry for the faith. You know, so it's amazing how when we when we came, you know, we thought, oh, we'll just get to know the people, which is it's important, and that's what we did do. But right away, people would come up to us, "Can you start this kind of group? Can you do this for us? Can you?" And so there's just such a such a hunger and a thirst to be formed in the faith. Um, so we hit the ground running and have have loved every minute of it. So, can you give us some idea what, what sort of postulates you've been you, you've been involved with, Sister? Sure. Um, like I mentioned, the, the bishop asked us to come live the Dominican life. So that's our first apostolate: is to live our religious life. Mm. Um, our life is it's contemplative and active. So many people will see us out on the streets and they see the very active part. But our, our that active part is really flows from our life of prayer. So our first apostolate really is to keep that life of prayer here in the heart of the city, in city center in Limerick. Um, so we have times of prayer throughout the day. But then we also go out and live a very active apostolate as well. Um, our community, are, we have been teachers since the beginning of our, of our congregation. We were established in 1860. And the Bishop of Nashville invited sisters to come establish a boarding school. So we're very much teaching has you know, been the heart of our life for, mm-hmm. for over 150 years. So um, that's kind of what we're used to, the teaching. But here in Ireland, when we came, the, the opportunities were around, around teaching, but in a little different, it looked a little bit different for us than our normal teaching apostolate. So, for example, the, our convent is right next door to a parish that was run by the Dominicans. And when they left, it was handed over to the diocese. So the, the bishop has asked us to continue to keep that parish open. So we um, administer the parish and um, help with any faith formation in the parish. So, so carrying out our teaching apostolate in that way, so we'll have a lot of different opportunities for faith formation for children and adults. Um, so we do a lot of initiatives here out of the parish, but then we also have done other work in the city around education and catechetics. So one of our sisters um, is an advisor for the bishop and travels to all the different primary schools here in Limerick. There's over a hundred of them, so she'll visit each of those schools throughout the year, meet with all the different children in those schools, and just kind of talk about the Lord and pray with them. Really, that's that's her 
her job is just to um, be there as a support to the faith. Um, so it's been such a blessing. And, you know, three of the four of us are American, so it's funny hearing her stories when she comes back and her Americanisms. The kids are like, what does that mean? You know, it's been really, really delightful. Um, and many of them have not seen a sister in a habit in a long, or before, actually. It's their first time seeing a sister in a habit. Yeah. So their, their reactions have just been really lovely to um, kind of inquisitive, you know, which helps start the conversation of the faith. Uh-huh. Um, but just been a great opportunity for us to share our religious life with the children in the diocese. And, you, um, and then two, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So then two of our sisters will also help out in the schools. Um, in the local area, we're part of a team of parishes. So we'll go to the other um, parishes' schools. Our, our parish doesn't have a school, but we'll go to visit the schools of others and help especially with the sacramental preparation for the second class and the sixth class. So it's been a, it's been a great joy to be in the classroom in that way and support the teachers that way. Um, because we've all had the experience of being the teacher in the classroom, so we know what it's like to get extra help. You're, you know, mm, it's, mm. It can be very helpful. So we love to bring that to the schools and um, serve them in that way. And did you say that you were also involved with faith formation for adults, sister? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so um, we've been, you know, as we've gotten to know the people, just trying to see what are the needs, you know, what do people need. And so we found that a lot of people... They would go to Mass and were very devotional, but there wasn't a sense of why. You know, why are we doing this? They didn't have the formation of what does our faith teach? What do, what do we believe, really? So we started um, different groups. We have a women's group that meets every other week. Um, and just it's basic human formation. You know, who are we as human beings? Um, what is temperament? Why do we act the way we do? Um, what is virtue? So trying to, to form us and how, how can we really be happy, fully fully fulfilled human beings. You know, what does that mean? Um, and it's been beautiful to have this group of women. They, we really watched them grow um, in the faith through, through having this formation. We also started a lecture series last year of just the basics of the faith. So it's open to anybody who wanted to come, Catholic or not Catholic, mm-hmm. um, and just to teach things like what is confession and why do we have it, or where is God? Is God real? You know, how do how do we encounter God? Mm. What is prayer? Um, so just kind of the basics, and we're trying to listen to people. What are their questions? You know, so we could answer what they really wanted to know, and try to point them in the in the direction to find the answers to their questions. Um, and then we started a um, before before a Sunday mass. We have a little fifteen minute, really short catechesis on the mass. So we. Um, open it up to whoever, you know, just come 15 minutes early to Mass, and we'll just talk about a different part each time, just to kind of renew our mindfulness of what we're really doing when we go to the, the Holy Eucharist. So um, it's been beautiful to to be able to support people in the faith and watch them really gain a great understanding and a love for the faith um, through the different lectures and, and classes. I like that idea um, about 15 minutes prior to Mass, uh, having the kind of cases on the Mass. Have you, have, have you found very many people supporting that, Sister? Yeah, I, I was surprised, actually. I was I was expecting, well, you know, because a lot of people, you know, just slip in <laughs> right in Mass yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. like, I don't know how this is going to go. But I was surprised the first week we did it, we probably had 40 there before the Mass, you know, 15 minutes before Mass started. And then people would trickle in and just pick up parts of what you're saying. You know, so even... 
people that weren't intending to come will be getting some of the some of the teaching. So it's it's been a really and, and people have given very positive feedback about you know I got, there was a, a man I was speaking with last week who had been in um, formation theological formation and he said you know it was a really good reminder for me. <laughs> so it was great to hear that feedback. But even people that might have had this in the past, it's still not, it's never in vain to learn more about our faith and to be renewed in it. So have you found really that, that the enthusiasm to learn more about the faith has come from all ages, sister? It's not just young or not just old? I think so, yeah. We, we, I was surprised at the women's group. We just have such a variant, variant amount of ages. Um, this past one, we had a young woman who's 16 years old, you know, all the way till women in, in their 70s. So it's mm, a great mm. span of, um, and they all kind of, they have, they bring different experiences, but I think that also enriches the discussion. You know, those that had been in the church before, Vatican II, for example, might have a different experience from these, you know, 16-year-olds that are just growing up right now in Ireland. So it's, it's been really enriching to see the different age groups talking about these things and grappling with the questions of today. So it's been a beautiful experience for, for myself personally. And just before I let Shane in there, uh, um, have you found any difference in terms of the enthusiasm for the faith in this country as opposed to back home for your good selves? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think there are differences. I mean, there's also this, you know, there's human, there's the human nature is the same everywhere, right? So we we all are longing for happiness. And so I see that in America, in Ireland. But I think here the questions, some of them have a little different nuances. Um, The the Irish, the Catholic roots here in Ireland are so deep. And I think that surprised me when I first came of how Catholic the culture really is, even though there is certainly an attack on that right now. Um, Mm. I was surprised by... How, how deep it is. You know, for example, my first time I went to a funeral here, I was shocked how many people were there and all the traditions around around yes. the funeral. It was mm. beautiful, you mm. know, um, and praying for the deceased and coming to light candles. That's just, it's, there's a beautiful, rich heritage here of the Catholic faith. But I think, um, I find a sense of, it's more of a devotional faith yes. and not as, as much of an informed faith as I, my as it was in my experience in America, because in in America, you know, it's most it's especially where I grew up, it was more um, Protestant than Catholic, and so you really had to know your faith to be able to mm. to confront you know the 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 other faith, or even where I lived out west for a little while, and it was a lot of people that had no faith, you know, atheist or agnostic, and so you just kind of had to have in your back pocket some reasons of why you believe what you believe. But I think here it's just assumed everyone's Catholic, you know, and so there's not that same impetus to try to get to know what the faith really is and what what the Church really teaches. Um, So I find that different. Those questions haven't necessarily been on the forefront, but I think as the um, culture is changing, Mm. becoming a little bit more secular, I think those questions are starting to come to the fore. Um, And so, yeah, in some ways it's, it's, Reminding me a little bit more and more about uh, of my experience in America. Shane, um, would you like to come in there? Yeah, yeah. I just um, as we mentioned there in the first part of the program, obviously next week uh, the sisters celebrate feast day because it's feast day of Saint Cecilia. But also recently, sister, you had a celebration because 
one of the other sisters, if I understand, uh, made a final profession. Is that correct? That's, that's correct. Yes, we had um, 13 sisters profess their, their final vows in Nashville this summer, and Sister Rose Miriam, who's living here in Limerick, was among them. So it's a really exciting time for our community, but then also exciting for our local community here, where we're getting to experience the graces of her final vows this year. So, yes, it was it was lovely. And when we um, arrived back in Limerick, the bishop had a massive Thanksgiving for sisters' final vows, which was beautiful. Many people came for that and just offered their congratulations, their prayers to sister. Now, just before we go any further, just in case people aren't sure, what does that actually mean, making final yeah, profession? That's a good question. A, a lot of people you might think it's an ordination or something like that. So as religious sisters, um, there's not a sacrament associated with kind of the final step, um, but rather there's a profession of vows, similar to, you know, a bride and groom. When they, when they go to get married, they profess a vow, which is a solemn promise. And so as, as religious sisters, we profess vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience to God. So we do this in the sight of, of you know, the public eyes, our communities there, our families are there, friends there. And we say, for the final profession, we say, for all my life, I will live this, this way of life. Um, I'm giving myself totally to God for his service. Um, so it's, it's really a flourishing of our baptismal promises that we promise to live um, in a way conformed to Christ, just as our parents promised us in our baptism, the religious life we take it on in a very radical form of um, a flourishing of those baptismal promises that were made for us. We now vow ourselves to live in a radical way um, the, that baptismal consecration. So it's a seven-year uh, process for our community. It takes seven years. You have plenty of time to discern and um, before you say, for all my life. But um, this summer, Sister did say, for all my life, I will live this life, which is a beautiful gift that she's made for the church. And and, and that's something actually, which I think maybe, um, and maybe another time we might reflect a bit more on, but that whole concept of um, the gift, the giftedness of a religious vocation, because we have, I suppose, um, a dynamic at the moment where we are very conscious of the the vocation of all the baptized after you know that was that was a learning from the second vatican council that was something which was explored and you know an outpouring if you like of the spirit that rediscovery of you know baptism is the key to everything but obviously it has led to almost a fear of almost being able to be forthright in promoting a particular vocation which is the vocation to priesthood and the religious life and that's something, I suppose, which people are ner- need to be reminded of, is the particular vocation to priesthood and religious life is a particular gift both to God, the church, and also the wider community. That's right. Yes, definitely. And I, and I think um, it's, it's really important to remember that, that God is the one who calls. You know, so whatever he's calling each one of us to, whether he's calling us to the married life, to the religious life, to the priesthood, it's, it's his call, which, um, if we follow it, it will lead to our greatest happiness and holiness. Um, so that even though, yes, I said yes, you know, it was God first who called, and then I responded to that call. In the religious life, it's a different vocation in the church. You know, so we, um, the, the church is 
that's part of her beauty is that there's this variety of how to live out our baptismal promises. And so for the religious, um, we've been called by God to, in a sense, live like we will live in heaven, but live that now. You know, so Christ in the in scripture, he says, um, right now in this age, men and women are given in marriage, but in the age to come, there will be no marriage. And so we're, we're living these evangelical councils in a very um, radical way. I used that word earlier. I mean, the root of this is how Christ himself lived, poverty, chastity, and obedience. We're living those because God called us, but also as a prophetic witness to the world that Christ is the, the reason for our lives, you know, that, that he, is, he is the one in whom we will find our happiness. And so, I, you know, that throughout my religious life, I'm reminded of this all the time. And we'll go down, especially here in Limerick, I found this a lot, we'll go be walking down the street, and people will stop us, and can you pray for this? Or, I haven't seen a nun in years. And, you know, that there's this, this visible witness by wearing the religious habit, but they see in that that we are there for them. We're there to serve the church, um, to be available to them in a real in a real way, because we've given ourselves totally to God and to, to His service. And so religious live the baptismal promises in a way that's different um, to those that are living the married life, um, and even in a different way than, the, than those that are following the vocation to the priesthood. Um, the religious witness is one that the Holy Father talks over and over about, the prophetic witness of reminding people who God is and where, where we should be headed, um, that is, to, to heaven. So it's a joy to be able to live that. And I, I, I loved this when I was, when I first received um, the habit, my religious name, my group that I entered with, we went walking in our neighborhood in, in Nashville. And it was one of the first days, you know, so I was still getting used to how do I walk in this thing, you know. And we, the neighborhood where we live is very poor, inner city neighborhood, and we came across these children outside playing. And all of a sudden, they were like magnets on the fence where they were. And mm-hmm. they kept saying things like, are those angels? Or, oh, it's holy God. You know, and it was this, this moment for me that I realized my life is not my own. Like, I, I, because I've give, been given to God, I have the responsibility of bringing people to Him. Um, so it was, a really, it was a really beautiful moment for me, and I hope I'll always remember that in my life, because um, it is true that because God's called me and I've said yes, my life is no longer my own. You know, it's, I'm, I'm living for Him and for the Church. In terms of, I suppose, you know, that, 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 kind, of, um, that kind of response and that witness response um, from, from the habit in particular, as as a, as a part of the witness, I suppose one of the one of the one of the difficulties is I suppose that a lot of the um, the religious orders that we have here in Limerick, uh, the Apostolic Sisters, um, you know, they would have had ada- uh, uh, adaptive habits or maybe not not something that was as readily identifiable. So I suppose in some ways it's harder, if you like, to 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 pick them out of the crowd in many respects. But, you know, in terms of, you know, your four new young sisters arriving into Limerick, how have you, um, how, how, how has it been to kind of, if you like, to join into that um, circle of sisters who have dedicated so much 
to the people of Limerick and, you know, in, in different ways across the years. Yeah, you know, we have been so honoured to be able to serve with them here. They they have been so lovely to us, really, and really, really supportive. Um, actually, even before we arrived, we came to visit um, in April 2016, and one of the items on our timetable was a tea with the religious. So we, we showed up, there was at the Redemptorist Church, and we were shocked to see over 70 men and women religious there, greeting us with open arms and just welcoming us to be to serve among them. I mean, it was really touching. And I, um, I realized we are following in the footsteps of these spiritual giants, you know, who have mm-hmm. given their lives to serve these people here in Limerick and then beyond. I mean, the, the religious that we um, have talked with have served in several other countries, you know, that the Irish really have this tradition of being mis- great missionaries, and we, we see that in action here, that these men and women who have lived their consecrated life for 30, 40, 50, 60 years have just given of themselves wherever they were sent. Um, and so it's really a great joy and a great honor that we get to serve with them here. We have great relationships mm-hmm. with the sisters, and especially the religious sisters and uh, religious religious priests here. Um, and something beautiful that started this year in Limerick is there's a monthly, we have a monthly prayer service among the religious. So we'll meet as religious once a month to pray for the diocese and the work of the diocese. And it's been so beautiful. You know, different communities will plan the different months. And so you get you get kind of a sense of that different community and how they pray. And we're mm-hmm. invited into that prayer. And then afterwards, the, of course, it's the tea where we get to socialize. So it's been just lovely getting to know the the religious better here in Limerick and just inspired by their their dedicated service for so many years. Sister, you obviously you're the Dominican sister, the Dominican sisters of Saint Cecilia. So as from in that regard, ye are my understanding is you're you're members of the broader, I suppose, Dominican family, coming from the tradition of Saint Dominic. And I suppose if people were to say to you, well, what's so different, say, between you and, say, for example, the Sisters of Mercy or the Faithful Companions of Jesus or the Presentation Center Sisters, what is it that is, what is it that makes a Dominican? Yeah, we, one of our um, mottos is to contemplate and give to others the fruits of their contemplation. Um, mm. And so I think for Dominicans, there's no, you know, there's elements in every single religious community that are that are similar. You know, we all are living this for the Lord. But I think that that motto captures that we're first formed in the chapel, but then we have to go out and tell others about it. You know, there's this this sense of I'm formed contemplation by my study, by my living of the community life. Like this all is part of my contemplation. So you know, I'm formed as a Dominican, not just in the chapel, but also what I study, how I live. And, and that, that I'm, I'm encountering the Lord in all those different ways, and then have this impetus to go and preach, to go and share that with others. Um, so that also another motto of the Dominican Order, Veritas. You know, there were big, a lot of people criticized Dominicans. Oh, you're just about the intellect, you know, and the forming the mind, which is true. We're very big on study. That's a big part of our life. But study is not for our sake. It's for the sake of the salvation of souls. 
you know, so that the Dominicans, like our sisters, we, we go on to get further degrees, but it's not for our own satisfaction of saying, you know, I have this, this degree or this degree, but it's so that we can be more um, formed in order to give that truth to others. Because truth, you know, Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and life. The truth, wherever the truth is, there God is. So we can study things like science, like math, like music, and we can find the Lord there um, and bring others to him through those very, those very subjects. So I think there's something very, um, Dominicans have this, this joy in bringing people to the Lord wherever wherever we can meet them. You know, there's, there's, there's not a fear to talk about, for example, physics. You know, it's not a fear of, oh gosh, that could lead them away from Christ. No, we're going to find God right in that, where they are. Um, so I think that's, that can characterizes the Dominican life is just this um, thirst for truth and then the thirst for souls, to, to bring souls to that truth. John, if you have anything else? I think at this particular stage, guys, we'll have to go for a break. Uh, we, okay. I know we could speak with Sister now for a long, for a long time, but um, there's a piece of music, maybe the Holy Spirit gave it to me, and just as Sister was speaking, and uh, one of the phrases, one of the one of the sentences she used there was that the, the, they have a, a responsibility to bring Jesus to others. This piece of music, maybe we might just reflect on that, maybe for ourselves, as we listen to it. This one is entitled Shine, Jesus, Shine, is from Eden Espinosa. So let's say that. Sacred Space.